I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Happy holidays. It's Flames Nation Radio. Ryan Pike and Shane Stevenson from Flames Nation with you. As always, Shane and I are brought to you by DoorDash. Ding dong. It's DoorDash. It's cold, so make sure you, yeah. you tip generously. When it's Understate, minus, when it's minus thirty, when it's minus thirty, and some friendly face brings you food, so your ass didn't have to go outside. Um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna say, give them something, because uh, it's the season of giving. Also brought to you by Eau Claire Distillery, makers of Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. Also something worth giving this holiday season if you have someone in your family or in your life who is difficult to shop for. I'm just going to say, unless they do not drink a nice bottle of something from Eau Claire Distillery or your spirits maker of choice, it, they look nice in the background of your Zoom, and they also taste delicious. So, I mean, you can't go wrong with too many things. Shane, the last time we spoke, the Flames were in the midst of what eventually turned into a five-game losing streak, and now they are no longer in the midst of that losing streak because they have won two games. Granted, I mean... Against you, you can only you can only beat the teams put in front of you and the flames, True according enough. to folks like uh, Tankathon and uh, folks like Don Session, Money Puck, whoever you know, you're you're according to your mathematical statistical prognosticators of choice, the flames had the toughest schedule in the National Hockey League to begin the season, and they were 500 ish. They were you know they you can yeah. only beat the teams in front of you, and they got some badass teams put in front of them like as in good teams full of badass players and they did okay did you know they they probably wish they'd done better to tread water they treaded water want to be a champion they didn't they didn't go forward they didn't really fall back they just they were they were neither they were neither drowning nor swimming forward they were doing neither which i mean in, in the in the western conference very few teams like Vegas and almost no one else has, have really found their stride. And so there are a handful of teams and, you know, Anaheim and Phoenix and a few other teams, sorry, Arizona and a few other teams know who they are. And there's a few teams, basically everyone else is sort of in the middle Uh, San Jose, the flames just beat back to back. They played, uh, this is this is a, a new thing in the 22, 23 schedule, uh, Basically, if it to minimize travel where they can for some teams, uh, I think it's mostly happening in the Western Conference because the Western Conference schedule is worse for travel. Uh, the Flames 
flew to San Jose and played a game. And then they stuck around and played another game on Tuesday because this way they don't have to make a whole extra trip out there. They're doing it again later in the year with St. Louis where, you know, you just don't need to tack on a St. Louis game onto a different road trip then. So, I mean, I I loved it because I was listening to our two flames talk um, the day, the day in between and Wes Gilbertson was on and he's obviously he's down there. And Pat was asking him, they're like, well, what's it like? He goes, he goes, it feels like you're at the first round of a playoff game. He's like, you never, ever stay in these cities unless it's the playoffs. He's like, I considered using the dresser, which he's like, I haven't done in, in the hotel. <laughs> he's like, I haven't considered that outside of a playoff match in years. So, and I mean, of all the times, Wes, to be stuck somewhere in San Jose, of all places, I, like, uh... you, you picked a hell... This is one hell of a timing of a road trip for the Riders. I was, I was at this. I think I think only I think only West is on on the trip though. Uh, I think it's I've, just West because Julian's just, at home. It's just West. Julian's not traveling this trip. Uh, I'm not traveling this trip. Eric Francis isn't traveling this trip, as far as I know. So it's only West. So one, thank you, West, for doing. I'll say this. Okay, we can titter all we want about how West picked a good trip at a good time of year, and yeah, objectively. You know, unless you have small children, I think the week before Christmas is a great time to get away because, you know, unless unfortunately yeah. this year, weather on the West Coast and weather in Calgary is just complete shambles. Like uh, and by the West Coast, I mean, Vancouver, Vancouver got snow. Uh, and if you you know, they'll tell you about it. Uh, yeah. The airport in Vancouver <laughs> is just like literally under a pile of snow. It's like actually a bad snowstorm, not just bad by Vancouver standards. Uh, and Calgary, Edmonton, basically everywhere west of the Rockies or east of the Rockies is like in the minus 30s. So West West picked a good trip and the Flames picked a good trip. But also West was also on that like two and a half week long trip where it's like, yeah. I asked him, I'm like, what the hell? What do you, what do you pack? For a trip that long, because they were in Florida for a couple of games, and so it's like you don't want to wear, you don't want to bring sweaters, and then they're in Pennsylvania, and then you're down back to to the to, I think it was DC and Carolina when they finished it off. I mean, that's a bunch of that's a bunch of it's the same time zone for the whole time, which is good, but it's a lot of microclimates you're crossing between in the course of being away for that long. So. He said he just tried to keep it under the weight limit. That's all you can really do. <laughs> yeah, that's all you could do. I mean, December 20th was the coldest recorded December 20th in Calgary history since they started tracking it in eight, the 1800s, uh, 1880s, I believe. I think Pender shared it on his Twitter if uh, anyone wants to go find it. But so I'm like, quite literally, the best time to be in San Jose is is just just before we get into the rest of it, because I'm jealous, Wes. OK, I'm jealous. Hey, all, all, it's it's. I was told uh, from from some folks who work for the Sharks, it's cold relative to the time of year for uh, for Northern for California. Locals. It's like in the low teens. It's like yeah, 10 or 12. They'll so all be walking around in nice long sweaters. Yeah, and they'll be West in West, golf West, stuff. West literally in a, in a, in a sleeveless T-shirt ready to just hit the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, and in uh in LA and Anaheim today, I think it's in the twenties. So I mean, you know, you gotta deal with the traffic. Shucks. But I mean I've yeah, I've been in, you know, when I, I was in LA, I did the February trip right before the uh the pandemic started in February twenty twenty. And in addition to for Living asking me if I was actually allowed to leave the province, which was 
a mean joke, but very funny. Uh, well, I also I, 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 w- I went to the beach the day before the the one of the games I had to cover because, you know, you're in California. You might as well go to the beach. And like there's the, all these locals. It's like it's for, it's mid-February. All these locals were bundled up being like, oh, my God, it's so cold. And there's like me with like wearing shorts with my shoes off, just sort of walking in the water. It was cold as heck. I mean, still like the pacific ocean it's sometimes it's just yeah, not warm it's but... not exactly like it's not like uh people think it's warm it's like no 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 it, it, it's the beach is the warm part just lay there you'll still get your rays in and all that stuff so and i mean once the wind hits you it's like here once the wind hits you you're, you're no good um so the shane you shane, shane's other commitments this week have have led to me being the grenade man for the the bets of the day Brought to you by Betway and yeah. Shane. It's a tough gig. I'll, I'll say not this. easy, man. So, uh, Flames beat the or Flames lost to St. Louis three to one. I bet uh, on the Flames to win on the money line. They did not. I bet for the Josh Levo revenge goal. It did not happen. And I also bet for uh, at the time the Flames were coming in, having played three straight overtime games. The Blues, who had played the night before at Edmonton and went to overtime. We're also in the midst of three straight overtime games, and at plus three hundred, as in you bet ten bucks, you get, you win thirty. At plus three hundred, I went. Eh, Flames aren't scoring a lot. That, Blues aren't scoring a lot. I'm screwed. I'm gonna go for the overtime game. It's gonna require overtime. It did not require overtime. A five-two game does not require overtime. So I mean, whoops. Uh, the the seven the five-two Flames win against the San Jose Sharks on Sunday. Uh, I bet Flames to win money line. Yeah. I bet Timo Meyer would score. Yeah. And I bet Andrew Majapani, last year's road warrior, would finally score a road goal. He did not. But I mean, they won five to two. And I probably should have bet on Milan Lucic, but I couldn't find him because he's been recently he, healthy scratched. He has been listed only, in Betway's list drop down. So th- they only list four to five players per each team, too. So, like, like you have to be yeah, one of the for, prominent. And I think for, for even for any time goal players. scorer, they only list at most a dozen players per team. And yeah. so, like, you know, if you're betting, like, I want my Brett Ritchie goal props, sometimes you might not be able to find them, especially if a guy's been a recent healthy scratch. Sometimes it's not in there. Uh, yeah, and so, I mean, it is it, what it is, especially with NHL coaches. And this is why this is actually a good introduction to why certain people with the amount of money being invested in the betting sector want lineups before the games, like like solid lineups and starting goalies so they can go in and actually do this stuff. And that, I know the coaches, and I know the coaches are like, no, I'm not giving I'm not giving out. If I'm... I get okay, it. Carol if, doesn't want to give up an advantage, but I'm like, do you want the league to make money or do you want to have that small little piece? How much money coaches- are they making off of like Nathan Walker came in as a, a late rotation player for St. Louis on, uh, on Friday. Uh, Nathan Walker didn't play in Edmonton. He played in Calgary. He was not a anytime goal score option because I love you, Nathan Walker, you're Australia's national hero. Who the like who's betting on Nathan Walker outside of degenerate gamblers like us? Uh, and the well, answer is only dig- like you're, I don't. If it was a case of oh, is, the, if if you're talking lot. if you're talking about hey, is Chris Tanev going to play? Is Jonathan Huberdeau going to play? Are like those kind of things? I think starting goaltenders matter. They matter quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So getting like I mean 
warmups, like usually, you know, Pat West, anyone who covers the, the hockey club. And it's, I think it's pretty standardized throughout the national hockey league. Warmups are a half hour before puck drop. And I don't think the bets lock out until puck drop. So if you want to say, you know, who's starting in net, the goalie who leads them out are almost always starting. So once Pat or someone tweets out, Hey, it looks like it's going to be Thomas Grice for St. Louis and Jacob Marks for Calgary. If you're a gambler, yeah, I think I think you're okay. But yeah, the 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 lineups lock in uh, from the league anywhere between five and ten minutes before the game. And if you're someone who's waiting, I think it's just, I think in the playoffs this is going to be especially challenging because you know you get warm ups, you get you get lineups right after like. Right basically immediately before anthems like usually i think the latest i've seen in the building and this was during the playoffs the latest i saw during the playoffs in the building for lineups to get locked in like i tweet out uh the little screenshot Card. of of yeah. the, the lineup sheet we get uh the latest i've gotten it is like 45 seconds before they come out like so if you're wow. i could i can understand like it's it's within the rules and if you're a coach if i'm a coach like the way it works folks uh Home home ice advantage means that you know as the head home head coach Daryl Sutter submits yeah. last. So yeah. normally what happens is the other team plots it in. Somebody runs down the hallway says Daryl, here's your lineup thing, fill it in, and they they lock theirs in. And really, you know, you're gonna know who you're dressing, but there might be oh they're start they're starting. You know, uh, David Perron's line is starting. Well, I'm gonna start a different line to to match. Oh, it's like Vancouver starting their fourth line. Let's put out our fourth line at center ice. What what could possibly happen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was Calgary starting their fourth line, and then a certain coach in another market going, "Oh, don't want to put the Twins out there." So that's you know, but that that's the mechanics of how it happens. And so essentially, when it goes live, and when we get the game sheets from uh, from the folks in the press box, it's essentially just. As soon as it's locked in, they go, okay, we're set. They hit print. They they run it over to us. It shows up on the website. But if you're someone who's waiting on a last minute thing, like, I mean, we we, we knew Chris Tanev was going to yeah. return on, on you know, the Sunday game, basically, as soon as they made the roster move to activate him. Uh, by the Wednesday game, rather. Tuesday? I'm, I'm mixing up my days. On the second Sharks game, we knew Tanev was going to be in because they activated him in the IR a couple hours before the game. So you're not going to do that to you're not going to op- use up a roster spot in a guy who's not playing, but in the playoffs there's no roster limit, so you just you don't know. And I think uh, Shane, if we're like uh, I know uh, my, our friend uh, Solomon Balji at TSN has sort of talked about this a bit on his social media. I think it's going to be a larger conversation the closer we get to the playoffs because it's well, I guess there's there's I bring if, other sports success into it, right? Like, yeah. and I love the NFL. The NFL has to have a designated injury report each week where you actually, and, and this is, this is the great thing. They actually tell you how the player is hurt. Now that that's an agreement with their PA and, and whatnot to, to disclose such information, but you could see like, okay, this player is suffering from this. It's not, there's no questionable day to day. There's no, Oh, we'll see. Right. Like they tell you what's happened to the player and you can adjust accordingly. You're like, okay, this player is going to be out for a while. Uh, and such but there's people there's a lot of money outside of the league moving around uh fantasy sports all sorts of things yeah you know i think player people like that you you want to grow and, your game, and if we're if we're gonna be accessible. honest with you make it more be... easily accessible and that's that's I, and from I think, a league I think the NFL's standpoint. done a lot of that you have to tell sometimes you got to tell the coaches that hey, you know what the world evolves suck it up you don't get this anymore if you're yeah if you're if you're asking daryl sutter to voluntarily 
give he's information. He's not going to do it on his he, own. Well, he shouldn't do it on his own because no, like, he shouldn't. If, well, if he his, shouldn't. I agree with Darryl's, that. If Daryl's point of view and a lot of head coaches' point of views in the league, I'd say probably a third, a quarter to a third of the league are just like guys that don't really want to give up anything because it's such, you know, if you're everything's if, an advantage or especially, especially with parity, especially the salary cap. So like you, we, we know so much about everything they're doing that if I'm an old school head coach, I bristle at that. Cause I don't want to give up any information. So if you're telling me, if you're Daryl Sutter and saying, well, until they tell me I have to do it, I'm not going to volunteer anything. And you know what? He shouldn't do that. Because, I, no, I'm with, like the, I'm the with you on that. I agree. Yeah, so, and if they're not being forced to, don't. Yeah. But I just think, and and I'm not just saying it's my opinion. I'm just saying I my thought process and the viewing of things as we if, grow go on in the future. I think we're gonna get to if the you're, everything. If you're needs to someone be. who wants the game to succeed in the long term. If you're someone that wants the NHL's revenues to grow, and I mean, from a pure fan perspective, all you want is good hockey. That's really all you care about. You want your team to do well. You want the teams, all the teams to be successful because you know, want the team to be able to, you want the teams to be able to make more money, afford better players, you know, get the competitive uh, nature of the game going. I mean, you know, th- those are the kind of things you want, especially, you know, like if, if, if from the league perspective, the league just wants more revenue. From the team perspective, the teams just want to win. And I think they need to, I think they need to circle that square a bit because, it, you know, if we're be it's it's sort of a it's a micro macro thing too yeah. like because that's if we're getting completely honest here daryl sutter's got a guaranteed contract that sets him a certain amount of money for the next three years this year and two more so if you're daryl sutter this will sound very mean what but what do you care if you're daryl sutter if the nhl makes more money yeah like he's he's making the money he's making he has no incentive to erode his competitive advantage. I got no arguments to that. I, I'm like you said, I, I I'm with your logic and everything. I just wanted to point out the for for the betting thing is like eventually every other league is getting there and hockey's yeah. kind of been slower yeah. at doing it. They've been holding on to their old school values. And I'm like, I, I think let's let's just and... be real. In 20 years, the people who currently are holding that hold their jobs in the NHL as running it aren't. Gary Bettman's not going to be the commissioner forever. Eventually, there's going to be a successor. Well, and, and I think, you know, I think... And new in, generations in, think different ways. So I don't want to speak for the league, but from from where the, the, the ball is bouncing, so to speak, ideally, what we'll probably end up seeing in the next decade is, you know, a lot of these betting platforms will be legal on mobile throughout the country, throughout North America, like probably every, at least throughout, you know, North America. I know there are a lot of them illegal in Europe too. And what you can do in some, like in primarily, I, I, I think look to the premier league in the NFL and see how they monetize. Cause they're so smart about this. But if you're at the premier, if you're at a lot of premier league games, you can be on the, be at the game on your phone. They say, here's a starting lineup. Here's what's going on. And you can bet in real time on your phone. If that's what you want to do with your, with your time and money. And I think, <laughs> In the NFL, they're getting that way. And in the NHL, like if if even if we're at the point where you don't get your lineup things, like say like lineups are just set when they're set now. Like yeah. they're set, like you're gonna get a ding five minutes before anthem saying, Hey, they set the lineup, you want to change your bets. And that might it, be it, how it ends up being. Because like the traditional thing, like the, it used to be yeah. that you could only like I I I uh I used to uh watch a lot of UFC 
And when I was in Vegas, I used to bet on the fights because it's fun to do it. It, I think, you know, in you're moderation, there, betting, you're, you're you're in the, the it's part. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's yeah, I'd say it, yeah. it's part of the experience. But like, say, if you're, you know, you, the the way it works because online betting wasn't really a thing when I was really, you know, watching a lot of UFC was that you'd be at, you know, you'd go to, you know, the sports book in MGM is in the casino, like near the front of the casino. And then you have to basically walk through the entire mall part of the casino to get to the MGM Garden Grand Arena. Or similar, if you want to go, the sports book in Mandalay is a little bit far away from the uh, from the, the arena in Mandalay Bay. So you'd go and say, hi, you know, I want to bet on these four fights from these four winners. They say, cool, thank you, shake your hand, give you your betting slips, and you walk out. Uh, and then if any, if there's any like late scratch or anything, you don't like, you don't find out until they're like, you get back and they're like, oh yeah, this thing didn't happen or something like, so technologically speaking, I think we're, we're heading in where it'll be a lot more instantaneous, which I think will be a lot more valuable. I think for fans who want to get into it and for, for the companies that want to be involved with it. So I don't know. I, 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 I'm agree with you. I think that's, I think we're. I don't know how far away we are from the league saying here's how we need to do things, but I think it's, I think it's coming. I do have something. It's not betting. Well, it kind of can be betting related, but it's due to the success before we switch into our player spotlight. I, I saw a rumor and I want to preface to you that this is a rumor um, that because the two expansion teams were already so high in revenue, the league would consider even further expansion. What do you think about further expansion, Pike? I don't think they're doing it. I also don't think. I think thirty-two is a good number. Thirty-two um, for 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 schedule now. balance is great because you have four divisions of eight teams, and you have half the teams make it. I can see them potentially expanding the playoffs because I think that has more revenue potential without watering down the league. But I think you're gonna get really because if if you do thirty-three or thirty-four teams, then you need to do more AHL, then you need to do more EC, ECHL, and then pretty soon, like the the competitive balance in all the leagues sort of gets watered down, and I don't know. I agree. I agree. I like, I don't, I don't disagree with your points there. I just, I saw it. They were saying, well, because Vegas and Seattle are already top 10 revenue teams. They were like, well, if this is, if this makes us money, why not keep, you know, and, and so, but someone would have to pay. I mean, I think Vegas paid 750 million or not Vegas. Uh, Vegas paid 500 million. Uh, I think Seattle, Seattle, was, Seattle was 650, I think. 650 million. I guarantee you the price is even more than that right now. Like, like if those two are top 10 revenues to, and Seattle's only been around two years, I guarantee the entry price is a lot higher than 650 million, which let's be real. I don't think a lot of people have kicking around in the, in their bank accounts, just sitting there. So, Hey, and you know, we, we, it came up a bit during uh, both Sportico and Forbes came out with their, their uh, franchise valuations in the last little while. Uh, I think Sportico is November uh, Forbes, early December. And the Calgary Flames were valued at around 850 to 870 million, and that yeah, is that is simply. I know for Sportico, it was a multiplier of the team's uh, annual revenues, and so it you know obviously we'll get into this a little when we get to the the mailbag a bit. But folks, going, I can't believe that the Flames wouldn't build their own arena if the if their hockey club is worth 800 and whatever million dollars. And I'm just here to tell you. It's not like it's a piggy bank. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like say, like even, you know, like say, if the idea is like, say like, you know. Yeah, people like, don't understand what capital it's like, it, yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, say <laughs> like, it's like, say like, if you have a house that's worth $500 million on paper, you can't get anything for it unless you can convince someone that it's worth that much money. 
And, and, and someone so, will physically give you that much money right at that moment for that yeah. thing. And yeah. then, okay, yeah, see, look, it was worth this much. Oh, and, and like, you know, they don't have we it. Might, we might, we might as well, uh, uh, remember when we were talking about that, getting into something semi related. So, Mary Edwards is worth a lot of money on paper because he owns a lot of, he owns stock in a lot of companies that are, that are worth money in the stock market. But it's not like he can crack open the piggy bank and get, money out without selling off stock of companies that he owns, which in in turn would have a knock-on effect on the value of the company and his future earnings. So, you know, it's, it's when always be wary when people use the phrase such and such is worth X, because I'll say this, uh, my background, one of my pieces of paper, the background of my frame here uh, is an economics degree. In economics, you don't use the phrase price. In economics, you use the term willingness to pay. So, like, say, you know, if, if, the, like, I think Uber's probably the best example of this, where, say, like, you know, if poor Shane is out at Cowboys one night uh, and it's cold and the Uber price is however much, it's not like the, the ride suddenly became, you know, more, more, there was suddenly more utility. It's just that the supply and demand spikes caused uh, things to, they felt like they could charge more money. But it's until given. someone says, like, if if the search price in Uber is $700 and no one takes it, it doesn't make, like, the ride isn't worth that much money. So the one of the <laughs> things we've seen is, like, say, Sportico's example was a good one of this, where Sportico mentioned that the evaluation, I think, for, I want to say the Pittsburgh Penguins, because they recently got sold to uh, Fenway Sports, the, mm -hmm. the group that owns the Red Sox and I think some Premier League teams. Yeah, uh, they own a few, yeah. Yeah, but they but essentially they're like, hey, they evaluate, you know, they bought this much percentage at this much money, which makes the valuation X. And the NHL is being very, I'd say, strategic in terms of, you know, what kind of valuations they will accept for franchises. So, like, say, let's just say Arizona, you know, let's just say that uh, Alex Morello runs out of money in, in Arizona. I don't think he will. I think he's probably going to do okay. But let's just say tomorrow, Alex comes to me and, and, uh, and I says, Pike, I'll give you the Coyotes for 20 bucks. And I go, sweet. I'm going to buy this team before Mike Gould has a chance to. Uh, the, the NHL would never accept a, 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 a buy or a buyer below a certain dollar amount because they, you know, you don't want to have, if the idea is that, you're, that you think your franchises should be worth $800 million, $900 million, whatever, and it's gradually, I think the, the average value of a franchise is right around the billion dollar mark based on, revenue projections and very little else, but also based on what they've sold for in recent sales. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're, if you're the, if you're the flames, you're figuring, you know, the franchise valuation will go up once the new building happens, but it's not like the flames have like a giant, you know, it's not like you remember the, remember the movie, remember when we used to pay cash for things, remember the movie theaters where they had like the giant ball, like the plastic uh, crane. Yeah. Thing you put, you put it in. in. It's not like Mary Edwards is sort of sitting in his in his mansion smoking a pipe and and you're looking at a giant, you know, Scrooge McDuck pile of money, you know, marked I am worth 1 billion dollars in cackling. I mean, he's got businesses to run. Let, much like everyone else does. It's it's the money he has it, it's just tied up in other things. It's not like you you can just spend it, right? Yeah. Like like he, it's 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 tied up in things that are hopefully making him more money. That's how that's how people with money this, make yeah, money. Yeah, I I, I I would imagine Steve, I would imagine CNRL is making him a bit more money at this point with the where yeah. things are than the Flames would. I don't know. I haven't seen the Flames books. I don't want to see the Flames books. Yeah. 
but Actually, I, I kind of want to see the that was just a roundabout way of like I just saw that I thought I'd bring it up I thought it'd be like it's a, it's, it was a it was a it was a good topic to bring up because I think especially as you know as betting becomes more ingrained in the experience of sports in the the social the social aspect of sports i mean i think some sports have always naturally lent themselves more to gambling being part of it boxing mixed martial arts football has become much more good at that and shockingly the nfl is worth you know their franchise is worth a crap ton of money because they're bringing in revenue and the if the nhl wants to bring in more revenue they gotta look at ways to to do it smartly and in ways that you know help uh help their fans enjoy it and not just feel like, you know, and they're getting in, shaken down and bring in newer fans of different demographics. And and then that's, that's kind of one of the things that I, I like to touch on is it's, it's, it's our, our sport is pretty. Let's not turn this, let's not turn this into a, please like my sport. No, no, no. It's about, it's about growing. Like, if you want to grow your business, you need to attract new fans as well as, as well as keep retain the old ones it's just a double business thing you always got to grow but you also got to provide the things that brought the people there in the first place it's an ever-ending balancing scale exactly so. uh let's move on to the player spotlight if you want to sponsor the player spotlight give us money uh the player spotlight is brought to you by nobody right now uh this this week's player spotlight is elias lindholm uh so elias lindholm is having a good season he, he- he has been right now. He's, I'd say that Lindholm and Toffoli and whoever they've been playing with a rotating cast of characters, which now includes Dylan Dubé. Uh, they've basically been the top line for the flames this year. At least, you know, Michael Backlund's line might get used from time to time more at five on five, but that's just sort of game flow thing. If you, if you need a goal though, you're sending out Lindholm and whoever Lindholm's playing with. And in the month of October, or actually in the month of December, I keep saying October. I don't know why. In the month of December, uh, uh, Lindholm uh, very quietly leads the Flames in in points by a decent amount. He missed that one game with an injury, uh, but uh, he has 15 points, uh, five goals, and 10 assists in 10 games. Uh, the next nearest Flame is uh, Nazem Kadri with 11, uh, and then they have a few guys, Huberto, Dubé, and Toffoli, each with 10. Who And everyone else has played basically 11 games. So, if, you know, Kadri's a point-per-game guy in, in the month of December. Uh, Huberto, Dubé, Toffoli are a little bit below that. Uh, but Lindholm is significantly above a point-per-game this month. And this will shock you, but th- their top-line center is doing some stuff offensively. And as a result, the Flames are doing better as a team. They're 5-3-3 three, and three in the month of December, uh, leading into uh, their Thursday-Friday back-to-back in L.A. and Anaheim. And Shane, I don't know if he's doing a lot differently, but I think... The, the goals against San Jose were from areas that we haven't seen him score a lot from this year that he used to score in the high slot not he was never the kind of guy that was banging at home near the net that was the Gaudreau shiftiness or the Kachuk uh truculence I guess is the word but Lindholm was always up in the slot using his shot because his shot was his best weapon not his pass not his, his defensive mindset and his shot his shot was his best weapon he got back into using that, especially against San Jose over these uh, last couple games, and it's noticeable. And he was able to beat these goaltenders. And the Flames as a whole started swarming the center of the ice and taking more shots, and and that's something that they were struggling with. Someone who's always been able to do that is Lindholm. 
And uh, it's not it's not like he's going on a, a shooting percentage heater. I mean, no, it's he's, he's, normal normal he's, production. This is he's what, shooting, he, what he is. In December, he's shooting 19%, which that's a little high. It's a little bit high, but he's usually between 16 and 18. And so this is basically what he is. He's bearing a few more, but five goals on 26 shots. He's doing pretty good. Uh the only flame who has <laughs> The guys that have a higher shooting percentage. I got to say this with a straight face. Connor Mackey, two goals and five shots. And Trevor Milan Lucic, Lucic oh. uh, two goals on 10 shots. I was going to so, say, I was going to say Lu- Trevor Lewis's seven goals got to be up there pretty good. Uh, Trevor Lewis this month has three goals and 17 for about 17%. Uh, Toffoli shooting 14, Dubé 14, Manjapani 14, Kadri 12. Uh, yeah, twelve to fourteen is my average. Like twelve to fourteen is like you want. I want about half my guys shooting about that or higher. Yeah, and, and, and the, the, there's always going to be guys that fall below hand. But, but like we, you the talked about this earlier. They weren't playing. They were playing the well-structured teams earlier in the year. You're not going to find this much offensive space. These other team, other teams have played the San Jose's, the Anaheim's, and the LA's. Like LA can score with you, but LA's goaltending has been so bad this year that they're going to give it up too. So, like a lot of their games, so, but hey, you remember the hey, one against? I don't uh, want you to. I don't want to hear any Phoenix Copley slander. Five well, I'm, wins. I'm, I'm going back to the game that was it like nine eight in overtime here against Seattle. Like, yeah, and like, then they sent Cal Peterson down to Ontario and brought up Copley, and since then they're six three and one. What? Uh, they're still you six three and one. You could a five four win, still a win with some goals against. So I'm just saying is LA yeah. LA's lately has been giving up a lot of goals. Anaheim's been a tire fire since the start of the year. Um, it, 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 quite literally, they are just here to play and let the young guys learn this year. And whatever else is happening there is Verbeek's got some work to do. I'm sure he's going to have a nice, uh, nice high draft pick to work with if, if things keep up in Anaheim the way they've keeping up. But San Jose was bad, Pike. San Jose was yeah. terrible. They're yeah. hurt. I don't care. That was truly, truly horrendous defensive coverage. Of t- horrendous checking and, and it's a, it's you well, can only but, play but the again, games though, on your again. schedule but i mean the f- credit to the flames they didn't just play to beat them or play down to their level the flames thwomped them the flames the flames came out did they played to their game and they they, they eventually swamped them they I'll found the gi- way I'll to give you i'll give you the first game the sunday game the flames are better than them consistently throughout the game and they they were unlucky to only be up a couple goals by the beginning of the third period and then they said okay we're going to we're going to score a bunch of goals now like they they were up 2-1 through 40 and then got three goals in like two and a half minutes or something right at the start of the third yeah right at the start of the third and then they did that at the beginning of the of the the game on Tuesday and then they sort of they let a two goal lead go away twice uh which isn't ideal but then you know they they pulled away and i think you know these two games against San Jose were very much, I think, uh, a snapshot of the season for both Lindholm and the Flames, where the Flames have the capability. Like, the, the Sharks are very good. The Sharks are a sub-500 team who are banged up and don't have high expectations for the year, and they're just trying to get their guys some reps. And I think David Quinn is trying to set uh, a, a standard for some of the young guys, and it's they're having some challenges. Yeah, it's not going very well. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I got to te- I got to test my mute button there. Uh, but but if you're the Flames, okay, you know let's if you look at the macro of the of the the two games, the Flames outscored them twelve to five, which if you're giving up 
two and a half goals a game. It's not terrible. They only gave up three even strength goals, which is pretty good. Uh, if you're giving up less than two even strength goals a game, you're probably doing okay. Uh, and the Flames, what? They scored, I think every one of their goals except for one was five on five. They scored an empty net goal, a power play goal, and 10 even strength goals, goals over the two games. And five on fives, yeah. Yeah, 10 five on five goals uh, to to one they gave up. Uh, power play, they got outscored by uh, by the Sharks Ooh. two to one. And then they had the had the empty netter. So, I mean, they did pretty well. But I'd also say, like, okay, they need more from their special teams. Uh, I don't they think that's... Bit- more coverage in their own end. They, they yeah. that's the one thing they're lacking is they, they their offense when it's there and it's set up. What that what they just showed is it it clicks and they they're skilled enough. They can find and they can shoot and they can score. You need to limit the dangerous rebounds and the loose pucks in your slot. And, and they, you know they, you they, know they, who they're, they're lacking there. They're you lacking. know who who tends to help the his his defensive partners doing that. Oh, Lindholm. Oh, oh Tanev. Tanev's back. I was going to say, Chris Tanev's the obvious answer yeah. to that question. No, but Lin- Lin- Lindholm's a guy who, you know, his bread and butter is coming back. He was second in uh, Selkie voting last year, and he's second in Selkie voting because when he's playing his game, he's the connector. He's the guy who he makes a nice defensive play or receives a pass from the de- from the blue liners and then connects it to the wingers, and then he's up and racing. And I think if you look at the way they scored the goals against San Jose, I mean, first 30 seconds of the game, you have well, the, Dubé, uh, the Dubé Lindholm to Foley to start that Tuesday game was, I and he, I it, it's it it honestly I was like what like fifteen seconds in I was like what I'm like okay that can happen when yeah. the second one went in I was like what that's where did this come my, from my my cousin's a Sharks fan and he he has a love hate relationship with Eric Carlson this year because yeah Eric Carlson was all over that game he set up some nice plays he set up some nice goals but also. Eric Carlson gave up a few old fashioned pizzas like that. I've like the, okay. The, the first goal they score 30 seconds or 15 seconds in, you have Matt Benning wheeling around and trying to do that outlet pass. And should he have passed it when he did, he probably could have skated out a bit more. He wasn't really under pressure. Uh, he was trying to get an outlet pass to get some speed to the neutral zone. And Noah Hannafin read it perfectly stepped in intercepted the pass he didn't have possession of he just got in the way and just kicked it out and then pass 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 in okay whoops you know if you're Matt betting you're like that's that ended boys. up in his net quicker than he thought it was gonna like yeah. like like but that, that's, that that's, was... a, that's the, this a lot of teams use this system where like he, he had nobody chasing him on the net on the wheel so he could just come around the side and just go okay where are we going just don't throw it up the middle you're okay so he throws it up the wall nope flames four checked really well Second goal, this time Dubé was chasing Carlson around the back of the net. So, Car- Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Carlson did the old-fashioned, uh, the only Kale McCarr can make that pass pass, uh, trademark Daryl Sutter. Uh, the backhander to God knows who. This time it wasn't right up the middle, but it was right up, you know, not he didn't even make it to the blue line because DeFoley no, just stepped into it. and back right in again. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I think the lesson here is, kids, a good forecheck is the best weapon you can have in hurting another team, especially a team that doesn't have a lot of confidence with the puck, especially early in a game. Uh, they scored two goals because their four check was good and, and created turnovers. Good work. Uh, Dylan Dubé being plunked in that line suddenly has made their four check really good. And as a result, they're getting, they're forcing other, te- they're forcing the other team to make dumb plays. And I'll say this, like was Huberto a good fit of that line? His passing was his forechecking. Is it his forecheck has never really been his thing. He's yes. a guy that if you're, if he's with guys that can get him the puck, he's an elite distributor. He can, you know, he could put a puck on like a, a ladybug stick for God's sake. He's good at finding angles and motion, right? Yeah. But, but for that to happen, the puck needs to be on a stick and the play needs to be moving. And again, he can't, I, he can't be moving to the do puck. You, to get do the you puck. know? Do you know who had three friggin' assists in that game against San Jose? Well, Huberto two, had three assists on the in the in the third period of yeah. the San Jose game, and one of them was a really nice transition pass to get the puck out of the flame zone to lead to the game-winning goal by Nazem Kadri off a really nice pass by Milan Lucic. But I mean, Huberto, he has just you know, I think. When you're with somebody, when you're with two guys, I'll say this: like Kadri, really good four checker, and I think his four checking allows do or allows Huberto to sort of do his thing a bit more on that line. But I mean, I th- maybe that's the balance they're looking for because if you know the to use the the archetype that Kirk Muller phrased, Kirk Muller uh, after one of the the Eastern Road games referred to Blake Coleman as a hunter. He's a, a you know he hunts down the puck, and you know for your four check. If you have a Coleman on one line, you have a Dubé on another line, and you have a Kadri on another line, and you have three guys that can really chase things down and retrieve and protect, and then you have guys on that line like Manchipani is a good passer, Backlund's a good passer, uh, Lucic, when he has space to do it, is a good passer, Huberto is a very good passer, uh, Lindholm is a very good passer. Uh, I think I think the the mixing and matching of the different sort of archetypes of players on the forward lines, I don't think they're done. I think we're still going to see more tinkering. But, you know, going back to Lindholm, I think Lindholm's success over the last little while has been he's very used to playing with Toffoli. And I think he knows how to play with Toffoli really effectively. And I think adding Dubé to that mix in the last little bit has given them. I guess that extra secret spice, that extra little ingredient that lets them have the puck a little bit more because of how good Dubé is chasing it down. So uh, I'll say this: if uh, if I'm if I'm uh, Elias Lindholm and the Flames keep winning, 
maybe you're taking Dubé out for uh, for an extra dinner a month or something. Like maybe you're picking up the tab next time you're you're uh, you're out in the road and and you're heading out to grab a meal because I, I think Dubé has been really good. Lindholm has provided them with the one thing they need so far, and that's one strike of offense pretty much every game. You, you just need someone to pump the life into it. And he's been the guy so far that's been able to do it the most frequently and most consistently. So, Bravo, you're producing at a time. You being gone was devastating. I gave you the one game in St. Louis. I'm like, okay, well, you're going to you're gonna need to get back into the swing of things. You're just sick. You have to be able to learn how to breathe again. We've all been there. And that it, but against San Jose, you just got right back into it. And if he can be that driving, if he can just be that, just provide one spark of offense each game, it's not required. No one should ever be required to provide 82 games of offense. You know, we've seen that at Edmonton. It sometimes doesn't work. Um, but as long as you can be consistent and be almost every other game on the score sheet in some way, your team's going to find a lot of way to win. And and if you're going to be – someone needs to be that guy. We lost those guys. He's one of the two that most people would point at and go, well, he's most likely to fill that void. So yeah. far he has. Yeah, and uh, And, you know – if we're if we break it down, Shane, we 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 dabble analytics. You and I, if you break it down, to win hockey games, you got to score more than the other team, which means either scoring goals or preventing goals. And I think Lindholm has been able to do both pretty well. And I think I think that's sort of the the challenge if you're looking at the value proposition for players up and down the lineup, where you know your your goal is to provide value by you know keeping it out or giving them a chance to to get one in, and you know. If you look at a lot of the guys in the lineup, I think if you're asking, you know, broadly speaking, why the ship seems to be suddenly, you know, going in a more agreeable direction for fans of the club, I think it's because they're getting a bit more consistent value propositions from the guys in the group. Uh, let's dive in. Let's go to the mailbag. So it's a holidays and Shane and I didn't want to come up with a lot of ideas on our own because I don't know. Shane, Shane's tired. I'm tired. This yeah, I'm done writing finals, so I'm my brain my brain fried after that. So you guys can please provide the questions. <laughs> so let's go through questions really quickly. We went on Twitter. We got a few questions. Uh, I'll apologize that the end of recording. We had three questions that we flagged. If you sent in a question that we didn't include, we're sorry. We'll we'll try to do it next time because uh, next time will still be the holiday break, and we won't really want to be particularly creative. So this is what you get during the holidays. Uh, so we got. Three questions. Uh, first question is from our pal Scott MacArthur on Twitter. Scott asks, what trade chips do the Flames have that they might actually move in season to improve? That's a good question because, uh, you know, Scott's a frequent commenter, a frequent Twitter replier of things, and he's well aware that the Flames don't have a crap ton of cap space. Uh, the Flames are – they got about – depending on you know what happens once everybody's off injury, they're probably going to have about a million five, million ten, million ten. Well, uh, they're going to have... You've got to be... You know, they have about say, two million be bucks to work with. you got to gotta decide whether you're in a position to add or, or subtract. And I think Calgary's... They're right in the middle. They don't have a definitive path either way right now. Oh, Based but I, I, think, I think if you look at the way the team's constructed and their, their salary structure... So here is here is the thing I would say. Here's the thing I would say. The Flames got two problems. One, they would like to upgrade their offense in some way, shape, or form. Um, 
it could be from the blue line, losing Oliver Shillington for the time being limits their ability to get offense to the transition, which is a challenge. And they still have that. I, I still think, you know, if you ask Daryl Sutter, if he thinks that Milan Lucic is the answer for the top six, he would probably laugh at you to your face and not give you a clear answer because that's how he rolls. But I think if you gave him, you know, if he, if he gave you an honest answer, it'd probably be, they probably want someone else. They would probably would like to, you know, they'd like to have someone else. And I don't think they're convinced that Lucic is the answer in the top nine. I also don't think based on the fact that he's fallen out of the top nine, that they think necessarily that, that Adam Rizicka is the answer. I don't think they have an answer right now, or I don't think they are convinced they have one yet. So I would argue that if they're doing something this year and I expect them to do so, they're going to be looking at a forward upgrade. And if they're doing something with the forwards, I would suggest they're going for a rental because they can't they can't have any cap next year. They're gonna, and, and if they're moving someone out, it might be a hockey trade with somebody who has existing salary. I don't know if they really want to do that, but you know, I think. Well, the other thing, if, is, if I'll say this, yeah, much like we said last year, midseason, we're like, oh no. Oh man, I don't understand how they're going to afford Goudreau and Kachuk and so and so, and they just traded for Toffoli. And how are they going to do that? They're going to figure it out after the season, uh, just like they did this year. They were they were fully prepared to throw a crap ton of money at Kachuk. They were fully prepared to throw, and they did throw a crap ton of money at at Goudreau, and then they would have had to get creative probably with a Sean Monahan trade of some kind in order to make the money work. So that is to say, I don't think they're really, I don't think that cap implications for next season are a non-starter with them yet. I also don't think they really necessarily want to make that situation much worse. So I don't think they'd want to add salary for next season. I don't think that they'd necessarily need in a trade this season to move out salary for next season yet. I just think they need to be more definitively in a playoff position for me as a GM to spend the assets to add for them. I, I know you've built this team to be a contender and you, of course, everyone's like, well, you're trying to get in, you're trying to get in. I'm like, well, at a certain point, a GM also needs to think about the next season a little bit, at least a little I bit. Think, you can't just yeah. punt every single year and wait and see what happens. You have okay. to have, you have to manage with next year in mind, at least a little bit. Jane, let's put our GM caps on as in, you're let's let's say you're the GM of I don't know who has cap space. Let's huh. let's just, let's just say you're a GM of of an imaginary team who has you're yeah. going to the you're making a hot you're look you're gonna be looking at the Flames roster because you're gonna make a trade with the Flames. Who do you think that who would you like like who do you ask about and who do you think has some value? Because I think the challenge of the Flames is like they got so many like. You just signed Uyghur to a million-year deal. You're not trading him. Um, Zadorov is arguably their most uh, impressive defenseman. You could trade him, but I think the thing they value about Zadorov is he plays that physical game, and they re-signed him because once they lose Eric Branson, they don't really have anybody who will be able to, to use their body the way he does. So I don't think they necessarily want to do it. I would probably ask about Zadorov. Um, I, I, if our Calgary, I'd tell them, no, I mean, look at the defensive depth they have right now, like who, who they're using as call-ups and how much money they have. Like I get the, the Zadorov thing, but if you're trading Nikita Zadorov, you're, 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 you're probably not saving a ton of money. You're bringing another piece in that's rough. If you're, if you're forced to trade him, you're bringing another piece in that you're using that cap money for. So you're, you're, you're just making your D 
worse than it already is yeah. with no reinforcements. So and that that to me is like that's an on-starter a, to me as a GM. Let's play I a game that. here. Let's play a game here. So I'm just I have cap friendly open. Nazem Kadri has a no move. Uh, Jonathan Huberto has a has a modified no trade that turns into a no move next year. Well, yeah, and he's signed for a million years. Manjapani, you just signed a three year deal, and he's having kind of a down year, so you wouldn't be getting great value if you traded him. Uh, Backland has a modified no trade, and he's your most consistent center in all three zones. Uh, I think I think Lindholm's better offensively, but I think Backland's your your you know your hard minutes guy. Lucic has a no move. Uh, Coleman has a no trade. Lindholm is your most consistent offensive set forward. Tafoli's been a top line player. Tafoli's your next best guy, I think, offensively. Uh, Dubé. Then you're Dubé. Dubé. And Dubé's the guy. Dubé, if you want to make an improvement for this season, you're looking at someone with your cap space on top of what Dubé makes. And that's that's and do you want yeah. to someone that young and that impactful? Because then you're like, like you're, you're you're looking you're, at no one's Dubé. gonna give you anything for Trevor Lewis. Like, like we love like, Trevor Lewis and I want him to stay, but he, like, if if you're if you're trying to compete, he's staying. Like like let's just do it in two ways. If you're trying to compete, we're trying to get in. That's the mentality. Who on the who are you getting rid of? You have to upgrade either Razichka or Dubé. You're not getting anything else for any other money unless you can and, somehow upgrade and Brett how Ritchie's much money. how much like you're also looking at maybe you can upgrade that by like two million and what are you and and if you're not taking a roster piece off all right you're moving one only that piece and you need to add what prospects are you giving up or picks at this point like like calgary's not in a position to buy they've they've they, they and and wait based on their record, I'm not going out of my way to spend the extra important assets, especially well, in a we, trade this deep. We t- we talked about Brock Besser They're draft this deep. I think Brock Besser was deep in the uh it's too much money in the discussion for a lot of fans a couple weeks ago. It's and, too much money. Well, and that's the thing. Like so Besser, you'd be looking at a first, a good prospect, and a roster player. So and based on his for Brock Besser for Brock Besser and what Brock Besser is, you would need to Probably send out Dubé a first in Coronado or something to that effect, and maybe Belcher, a conditional Rizari, pick of some kind. One of those three, yeah, yeah. Like you're gonna like if, if say it, those are their trade if, pieces. If you're the Flames, like you're, you know, you have a couple. Like the you're not gonna touch your blue line because you probably don't want to because no, you're tr- still trying to figure out your group. Goaltending, like, are you gonna give up Wolf? You probably don't want to. Are you going to give up Vladar? You probably like the flexibility of having just, a Vladar and a Wolf and a and a Markstrom right now, at least until you're you're damn sure that Markstrom is. You don't back pay to Vladar two point two if you want him playing for another team either. You don't you don't extend Vladar at the number you extended him for if you want him playing for another team. I mean, you extend him that way though, but then he has he gives you some trade value because a bit, a bit now you, now you have some now you now instead of somebody who's a pending free agent, they have some some cost certainty on him, but. But yeah, but then you also can add in the okay. Well, you know, your starting goaltenders had rough patches. Like you, you add that, and you're like, okay, do we really want to do, take do you, the you, one thing that we have that we know is stable and weaken it to try and band aid fix something else just for this season? Yeah. Like, like, and, like, and they don't really have any credit to Brad. He's not been a band aid guy. He nope. if he's making a trade. It's it's a something that's going to come and, in. And, and if you look at if future. you're looking at the Flames prospects, I mean. On the blue line, Jeremy Poirier is something. He's his defensive game needs a lot of work, but offensively, well, he's very oh, good. But he's and, probably he's a year away, and he's probably still like Poirier is probably someone you need to stick with a Tanev 
to babysit well, him in the defensive zone for a little Dakota, bit. When 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 Daryl likes you at that level with with that skill set, that says something to me. And yeah. Daryl liked him in camp. Daryl said as much. He's, yeah. he's super and he skilled. Is, so ha- having seen a lot of him in camp, he was really good offensively. Daryl Daryl liked him, which is a glowing review. But so Daryl never says your, that about anybody. Your pieces <laughs> are your first slash second. Uh, in the next okay. draft or two, and and, and then for, and to be fair, four, please. <laughs> I would ask about if I'm asking for Flames pieces. I'm asking about Wolf, and I probably get told to go to hell. Mm-hmm. I ask about Poirier, but the Flames don't have a lot beyond Poirier. Uh, I'm asking about Coronado. I'm asking about Pelche. I'm asking about Zari. Um, maybe Schwint. Maybe, maybe Schwint. Maybe, maybe. Schwint. He's sort like of Calgary obviously likes Schwint enough to get him in the floor. Right, right. Like they I would. All- I would. Based on performance this year, I'd call him at worst a B plus prospect. He's not. Yeah. A, I don't think he's an A guy, but I don't think he's a B either. No, those A guys are those. There's just three. There's just there's just the three main ones, and it's Coronado, Pelche, sorry. Those are your and three Wolf. A. Those are well, Wolf's Wolf's what's above an A? Like that's Wolf. Wolf is there. He's platinum elite, platinum prospect right there. Like like if he if if uh, if everyone has him not on their list of top five goaltenders, not currently playing in the NHL. They're not watching the right things, so that's that's just my indict. That's my yeah. blowing. So so cool. Scott, this is our long way of saying maybe Dubé, maybe Rizichka, but I, I still think I yeah. still think that part of the reason why you wait and see is that you know the trade deadline's March fifth, third, fifth. It's a, it's a Friday. It's the March fifth. Trade deadline's in March. Yeah, the, the trade deadline <laughs> is the that. first Friday in March. And by that time, you'll have a better idea of what your cap situation is. And you also buy yourself some time, like in, in between now and March, maybe Shelly comes back and he's as good as he's ever been. And the defense maybe, is fixed. Maybe or, get LTIR room due to an unfortunate injury. Yeah. You or, or maybe, or maybe, maybe the Flames defense figures it out and they don't have to do much of anything. Or maybe Huberto finds defensive swagger. He just had three assists in one period. Maybe that carries over. Like I, the well, long, he's got his left-handed line mates, you know, I we, would, I would say you, you just, they're going to wait and see unless the bottom falls out of the season. I think they wait and see and stay in it and try to stay in the, t- in the pack in the top of the pack. And then you make a deal. I'd say probably like last year, you do it around, you do it after the all-star break around Valentine's yeah. day. You, you try then, to get a little bit ahead of it. So see, yeah. to see if you could beat the increasing market prices, but it's, it's also like if Calgary goes on a stinker in January, you're, it's going to be nothing. It's going to be nothing like like if they're if they're six points out going into like mid-February six points at that point is not with 30 games left that's 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 bigger mountain than people think that's bigger than you think and you can't really go spending assets and mortgaging your future especially when you're already invested as the way Calgary is in their future those picks hold should hold more internal value with the fact that okay, there's not going to be a lot of room there, to with the, with you the need quality, those draft picks coming in and providing these contracts. With the quality of this draft, their first round pick in 2023 will almost immediately become their best or second best prospect. Immediately, even if they're picking 23rd, like even if they're picking 23rd, people. If, this draft is honestly, if they're picking 32nd, if we're talking about a parade, yeah. and even if the even if they draft 32nd, then you're maybe like the guy you're going to get at that, like he, he might not be wolf. Good. He might no, not be much worse be, than you Coronado. Could, you could find another Pelche and Zari really easily. You could find another Coronado. There's, you know, you could, you could draft a defenseman. 
you know, seeing as you're having trouble filling your defense. Just that's a enough, suggestion. That's enough out of you. That's, that's enough out of you. Just a suggestion. So Merry Scott, Christmas. Scott, thank you for your question. Happy holidays. Uh, next question from our friend uh, Chris Schwerick. I'm going to get your name wrong, Chris. I'm sorry. Uh, Chris asks, as Chris always does, what's happening with the arena? Uh, so I was at the last committee meeting in a beautiful small room that they immediately kicked us out of. And then I went and hung out with the CBC people for the rest of the, for the rest of the morning. Uh, so here's the gist. Uh, they're negotiating. Uh, CAA icon uh, representing the city of Calgary is sitting down with the flames and talking Turkey. Are they talking to other people? I can't say, cause I don't know. My guess is probably they're probably talking to a bunch of folks. Uh, CAA icon has been the deal maker for several big stadium arena whatever you call them, sports facility deals over the last decade. That's kind of their whole thing. They know everyone and they know where the money is. So I was told uh, when I asked last week, uh, things are moving well. Uh, there is optimism on the city side. Uh, I've heard absolutely nothing from CSEC, but I, we won't hear anything from them until a deal's done. Uh, but on the city side, at least things are moving in the right direction, they feel, but it's not close to having anything that will be brought up at a meeting because once, you know, you they bring things to meetings when they have things to vote on or things to approve or things for people to be told about. So they don't have anything that yet, but I was told it's inching along in the right direction. Progress is being made. Uh, I asked about timelines and I got a, a hearty laugh in response. So uh, <laughs> it's done when it's done, but uh, there's optimism. So thank Mike's you, Chris. Mike's going to ask them the hard questions for us, folks. And when, when they're ready to answer, they'll give them an answer. Oh, they'll just give me dead <laughs> silence until they have things they want me to know about. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, our friend Robert Munich, I asked him his, how to pronounce his last name. He's like, it's like the city in Germany. So when you two go on the radio and praise your your colleague, you can get his name right. Robert Munich uh, who who uh, writes many fun things for us. And uh, if you don't follow Robert uh, at Ring of Fire CGY on Twitter, why the hell are you not following him? Every he, Flames goal, every big hit, every he, big he, save. He, here's the thing I love about Robert. He posts every goal mostly by both teams. So if you're like, what the hell were they doing on that goal? Robert's the guy for you to follow because I find myself, if I'm trying to, if in the press box, we don't really have a lot of uh, monitors, so it's hard to get good replays. So Oftentimes, I have other reporters from other cities crowd around me going, like, oh, so that's what happened. Yeah, I we didn't have a good angle on that because we only have the one vantage point. It's from awkwardly above and looking down. So sometimes we miss little, little pieces. So Robert asks, aside from Game 7 against Dallas, the obvious answer, what were some of your favorite Flames moments from 2022? Uh, I'll say, yeah, I'll say without, a que without question, the best moment, obviously, Robert, was Johnny Gaudreau's Game 7 goal. And Fans, I know fans, you guys love covering or love game sevens and playoff overtimes. And uh, in my previous life, I would have been right there with you. There is nothing quite as stressful as a game seven overtime in the playoffs if you're and running a website. Hero Heiskinen is walking around everybody and you're just waiting. You're just watching it. He quite literally appeared. You're just waiting for him to put the puck in the net because no one was stopping him. And then for Johnny to take that shot, that's that, there's it, that eight minute stretch in that overtime where I think everyone's like, every time Miro Heiskanen touched that puck, I wanted I I wanted to just fade into my couch. I was like, this is, this is it. This is I'm gonna get a hundred texts from all my Oilers friend fans, and I'm just gonna eat crow. And I was and then Johnny puts it in, 
And it's that was the happiest I was all year. That was the happiest hockey related I was all year. That's a good correction. Good, good, good. That's catch. the happiest hockey related I've been all year because it, it it just was euphoria. I I like the minute I saw that question, Pike, my answer was the exact same as yours, and I'm sure ninety five percent. But no, he said beside that. But I'll 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 my preface. Oh, he with, said beside that. Beside Dang that, you, Robert, that counts. Yeah, no, he 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 wants us to get creative. I'll say, uh, there's nothing more stressful than playoff overtime in Game Seven because I was like, okay, like I was talking to uh, some colleagues of mine from Dallas, and they were in the same boat. I'm like, so what are you writing about tomorrow? They're like, I don't know. I'm like, but you have to start prepping tomorrow's content right now. They're like, yep. I'm like, so what do you do? Both. You gotta, you basically, yeah, start writing a what if, oh no, the flames got out in seven and the team's terrible piece. That's the bones of it. Or then you write a, hey, the flames finally got out of the first round and rainbows and sunshine. And you, you kind of, you kind of need to do both because, like, say, if, if you're out in five, like, say, the, the gentleman sweep in 2019 from Colorado, you saw it coming the whole time so you could prepare. Game seven. You have no idea. Going your game way, seven, you get to game seven by being fairly good. You know, you, if you get swept, you're like, just didn't have it going for you. And you can, My... play, you can tell a team doesn't quite like the, 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 the seniors against Edmonton, while the games were all very close and very compelling, the flames just didn't have it going for them. So you no. can kind of, you could see the, you could see after the third game, I think you could see the writing on the wall. Go like, Oh, okay. It's one of those, huh? But yeah, so that would, that would say the most stressed out I've been was during the Dallas series. I my per, I loved covering a Battle of Alberta. Uh, the outcome was not what a lot of fans in this market would have liked, uh, and I would have liked to have kept working past the second round. But that said, it was like the first Battle of Alberta in 30-odd years, 31 years, 31 years. Holy cow, it was so much fun. I'm, I think... Everyone had fun watching it. A lot of us had fun covering it. It was, I don't know. It just really, it felt like Alberta, you know, had was having a party for a couple weeks. And everyone was invited. We didn't really care who you cheered for. Just come on in and hang out and, you know, watch a game or whatever. And it was kind of a cool atmosphere. And I think, you know, the, the stuff the Flames were able to do with the, the Red Lot really helped uh, amp up a lot of people's enjoyment of it. So uh, knock on wood, if they returned the postseason my understanding is that they're uh they're planning on something similar maybe they're going to probably try to upgrade a few things that they that they wanted to tweak uh but i mean they they put it together really quickly and it came together really well and they got a lot of good feedback from people inside and outside the organization on it so uh but yeah that, that's my my bl- my blanket statement would be the the most memorable moment was i'd say collectively the battle of alberta in the pl- playoffs just because there was a lot of weird, wacky, fun stuff to to write and talk about and watch for a couple of weeks. Right, that's a good point. If and if okay, so if I can collectively pick kind of a frame of time, then uh, I won't pick specifically Johnny's goal. I'll pick his whole year. It was 115 points. Uh, it was a pleasure to absolutely turn on the Flames game and watch him every single night and just be creative and find ways to score and games. Games where you you know Flames fans always say it's very flamesy. It's it, people use that term all the time. Johnny Gaudreau made it less flamesy. Johnny Gaudreau made them get onto the right side of things. It it may yeah it didn't end the way any Flames fan wanted, but 
his that, that last season here, that time here, all of it from the 40 goals to the hundred points, it just every night he gave us something enjoyable to watch. So I'm forever grateful to Johnny Gaudreau for giving me the pleasure of being able to watch my favorite hockey team that I picked since I was a kid, uh, find success like that. And, and just the enjoyment that I hadn't had watching that team in a long time, um, and being able to do the trash talk, you know, the most five on five points in the league, you know, we, we had an MVP case, we were making it. So it was, uh, he was just all around ballot. And, and you know what, no discredit to Kachuk, but Johnny was, Johnny was the face. Johnny was the guy he's, he was, uh, he was the guy with the, the hands and, and the one that no one said could do it. And yet here he is, he's scoring the big goals, uh, working under the coach. No one said he could work under and everything just clicked. And it was, yeah, leave the back end of the year alone. All hey, the way hey, up I'll, until, I'll, all the okay, way up so until the season ended. It was have, just awesome. Have you so. ever seen the, the film Friday Night Lights? I've not seen the film. I have watched part of the TV show. Watch, watch both. I'm going to spoil the ending for. In that's okay. It's, it's based. It's. The, I live the, on IMDb. I've had a film, thousand movies destroyed for me. <laughs> okay, good. So the uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Friday Night Lights, the film uh, starring Billy Bob Thornton as uh, Dallas Permian head coach uh, uh, Gary Gaines. So they basically tell the story of this group of it, the, the the. It's based on a book by uh, by Buzz Bissinger. The whole you know book it's really good it's about a year in the life of this town in texas uh you know little dallas suburb dallas permian is the high school and they just go through the year of this of the importance of this hot this football team this call this high school football team for this community and so they make it all the way to the playoffs and they lose in the state semifinal and then the next season they come back and win so uh in in the in the movie, they lose in the state final because it's a better story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, in the book, they're like you know the book they made to the the national or the 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 state semis, and then they lose to the eventual state champion. And then the next year, they come back and beat the state champion. But you know, it's after the end of the book, and the players, the you know the seniors that they talked about all 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 book all graduated and did other things. So it's like the you know it's like the backup quarterback kid, the backup running back, and a few other guys just end up leading the team to victory after not succeeding this one. I always kind of felt that, you know, in, in the, in the, the movie of the flames, 18, or uh, 20, 20, 21, 22 seasons, yeah. they would just ignore the battle of Alberta and be like, yeah. So Johnny scores a game winning goal in overtime and everyone's happy. At the end. It's like, so what happened in the next round? That's not important. We don't. We, what we, happened? We won, our, what happened? we won an overtime. Just leave us be. Let us it's be like happy what, what happened? Moment. What happened against Edmonton? That's not important. Well, what happened in the offseason? Did Johnny resign? Also, not. That's not important. The story we're telling if you. Here. If you have any questions, please direct them to the Oilers Nation HQ about that. Here in Flames Nation land, we are just going to live where we want to. <laughs> all, all I all I know is I worked another two weeks, and the traffic was really good. And then I had a nap afterwards, and uh, you know, then we worked on draft stuff. Uh, so yeah, I uh, that's the whole, the whole season was pretty fun, and it was know, it was a nice variety. It was it was it was we were excited every Wednesday we were recording. We're like, oh, we have this to talk about this week. Like, and I'll say it this, always this, it was always market, something positive. And this, listeners, sometimes when Pike and I are discussing what we want to talk about, we're like, well, they didn't win this week, so we we probably shouldn't be too positive. And then we're like, well, <laughs> so, what are the, what do we need? What can we learn about this week? We we uh, I think you learn some stuff, you learn some stuff from covering a team that's doing well. You learn some stuff from doing it covering a team that's not doing as well. So uh 
That's a good question, Robert. Thank you. And again, everyone follow Robert on Twitter because he's great. And he has he posts fun observations about the team, you know, two or three thoughts after each game, along with a bunch of really good clips and gifts. So if you don't follow him, follow him. And his also, writing, his writing he's doing is evolving as, uh, as as he writes more articles, too. It's growing and, and becoming more detailed, I've noticed. So, oh, yeah. Props, props to you, Robert. Uh, he's come along and get every video, every video clip from every flames without having to deal with anything from the NHL network feed or anything else. It's just flames folks. So the, we got three games coming up in the next week. Uh, the flames are in the midst of a seven game stretch against divisional teams. Uh, they have played twice against San Jose. They're playing one more time against LA and Anaheim on this road trip. And then they head home and then they have Christmas and Thanksgiving, th- Christmas dinner and boxing day and stuff. Uh, they're back in action on the 27th of December at home against the Edmonton Oilers. They will be wearing red for the first time in over a month. Uh, and it'll be two teams in very beautiful jerseys playing a hockey game that could be of a lot of importance for them in the standings. And it is the final battle of Alberta of the year until the playoffs, hopefully. Uh, and then the Flames play Seattle after that, and then New Year's Eve, the Flames play against and the Vancouver Cuba. Canucks. And then their game of their stretch of games against their own division will be over because then they play Winnipeg, who we care about a little bit less than all our divisional friends. But uh, we're going to be coming at you with the next edition of Flames Nation Radio uh, after the Battle of Alberta. So I believe we're plan- our plan is we're going to record and release next Wednesday uh, before the Flames play the Seattle Kraken in scenic Seattle, Washington. Uh, if you get a chance to go to that building, folks, I've been told it's really good. I got sick last year and I was supposed to go, so I didn't get to go. And I'm really sad about it because, you know me, I'm a big nerd about arenas and arena deals. And Seattle has an amazing arena and an amazing backstory. Uh, cheap plug for uh, my buddy Jeff Baker, who wrote a book about how they got their new team in New Arena. It's called Into the Deep. Uh, it's all about the Seattle Kraken, how they got the team, how they got the arena and stuff. So uh, it's by the time you're reading this, you haven't finished your Christmas shopping. Go to a bookstore. Go to Amazon, whatever. Uh, order his book because it's really cool. And uh, it's, it, you know, if you're into the behind the scenes stuff of how those kind of things come together. And Seattle was trying for decades to get a damn team pretty much since the Sonics left, they were trying to do two things, get a major league team back and do the arena. And they managed to do both, but it wasn't easy. And uh, Jeff has all the details of that. So that's my cheap plug for people. I know Uh, as always, please, please, please follow us on YouTube. Uh, We have a flames nation channel. So you can subscribe to the flames nation channel. We're trying to get to, 2000 subscribers before the all-star break we think that'd be a very nice friendly number for us to hit this early uh and plus you 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 subscribe you get all the tasty flames nation content you love including the five days a week as long as there's not a holiday uh barn burner show uh and you also get pat and flame nation live us and flames nation radio and other stuff as the season progresses uh but you also won't accidentally have to watch a leafs or a canucks or an Oilers video and as much as we love uh tyler yamchuk and his you know boyish good looks uh you might not want to hear about him talking to you about a team you don't care about in less the three games a year that they're playing the flames and so i mean on the 27th check out Oilers nation every day 
but we'll we'll just we'll just put the link on social so you don't need to go through the YouTube. Don't worry about it. We'll we'll tell you when you need to check out the other stuff. But the rest of the time, subscribe to our YouTube channel because then you get all the stuff you want without accidentally going to stuff you don't really care as much about. Uh you can find Flame Station Radio everywhere. You get your podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, random people shouting at you in the street about podcasts, although not this week because everyone's cold and no one's randomly doing anything outside if they can avoid it. Uh, that'll do it for this week's edition. Shane, I won't talk to you until after the holidays, so I hope you and everyone listening, but especially Shane, uh, has a lovely holiday season. Uh, Shane is dog sitting right now. He showed me before we recorded. Uh, his, show, his... Listen, show listeners. Uh, this, this is, is bonus content. This is this is bonus dog content. This, if I can see him, there's Edward. Over your shoulder. Yeah, that's yeah. Edward. He is uh, obviously very lively and uh, and definitely um, not going to do that all day. But uh, he's a good boy. He's uh, he's very quiet. And yeah, the, the the holiday present that they got from uh, from some relatives was dog sitting for three weeks but i mean he's a good boy. <laughs> and a hand-me-down lazy boy chair, hey, the, chair. so i'll pick those both. are those are both pluses so <laughs> yeah, yeah. shane it sounds like you're gonna have a good holidays don't work too hard hopefully you get some time to have a very nice nap on your hand-me-down lazy boy uh everyone else uh have a great holidays whatever you choose to celebrate uh we'll be get a chance to stay warm enjoy some manner of tasty beverage of your choosing uh with those you care about because really you know one of the things that, we, that uh is really nice about the holiday season is it's too cold to go outside most of the time and go out and do too many things uh <laughs> elsewhere so we're sort of you know hunkered inside as a matter of necessity uh to snuggle up uh and stay warm and the nice thing is it means that you get to spend a bit more time than you would during the year with uh your, you know your loved ones uh your family your chosen family whoever you're spending time with so you know make, you know make make sure you spend some time watching hockey but also you know just uh you know spend some quality time with your fam jam your 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 furry your uh your animal family your human family your chosen family basically you know whoever you, you want can. to spend it with yeah. exactly so that'll do it for us uh we're brought to you by doordash and clear distillery makers of rippers whiskey the official whiskey of the calgary flames we'll be back in a week in the meantime happy holidays and everybody stay warm and make sure you leave some uh some cookies out because shane's gonna go to your house and steal them i will leave eggnog out for me too please thanks he needs he needs the sustenance he's working too hard yeah see you in a week guys happy holidays Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.